We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. Welcome to the Other Side of Hell podcast. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Cameron. How you feeling? I like your shirt. Thanks. It's a brainwashed official shirt. Yeah. Mm. For those who are just listening, Cameron is wearing brainwash official merch. It says caffeined. It's a super cool shirt, too, man. That coffee skull, coffee cup skull head with the beans. And Yeah, maybe people don't know this, but our, our late friend Martin designed this shirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like that Billy's still rocking. made it available. Yeah. Appreciate that, Billy. Check it out at brainwashcoffeeco.com. <laughs> nice little plug there. Oh, well, right? was... What do you think about mine here? Yeah, that's okay. Anyways, let's move on. I'm wearing, I'm wearing if you can't see, a Valor Fitness. Green Valor. Green, it's a Valor. green is so different color Jim, for Jim, you. Jim, the, uh, the CEO and founder of Valor Fitness, sent me this shirt because he likes my tattoos. And for those of you who are just listening, I do have tattoos. They're not very likable. Speaking of... Oh, the other side of hell podcast. Welcome, Cameron. Oh, oh, let's do the show. Let's do this show. We have a wonderful war story. I love it when we get locals um, that we've we've been around each other, seen each other. We recognize each other, but find each other on Instagram. Uh, Melissa is is from our area. She actually lives in Clearfield, not too far away. She puts a lot of references of our area in her story, but... um, She's crushing it now, mm-hmm. and I seen a post of hers that showed all of her mug shots, and she had mentioned her sobriety time, and I thought, that's freaking awesome. I want to get her story, and she was obliged to give it, and it was kind of neat because uh, recently she had put it out into the universe that she wanted to start telling her story mm-hmm. again and and uh, you know working with women again and, and getting more involved in her recovery, and then... I was compelled to reach out to her, got her story. We got an awesome topic. And now we're in studio getting to shoot this episode to talk about what? What have we learned? Willie, we've been doing this recovery thing for a minute now, and it seems like the further down the road we get, the more information we obtain. Yeah. What have we learned in recovery? I what, think what has recovery taught us? It's, it's worth talking about. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not only uh, good for me to think about all the things that I've learned just because it, it makes me reflect on all that I've gained since I decided to turn it over and get so sober. Yeah. Um, much we've grown, but it also can be helpful to maybe somebody in those early stages and, and, you know, think about what there is to gain. There's so much more to gain from from a program of recovery than there is, then you're going to lose. You're going to lose, <laughs> you're going to lose all, you're going to lose the ability to drink. You're going to lose the ability to do lie. drugs. You're going to lose the ability to lie, cheat still. Successfully. Successfully. Yeah. Very good point. Um, and, 
and the things that we gain are valuable. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, the things that we learn, uh, I really appreciate what you put, how you put that, what we, what we lose when we decide to get sober. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things that I lost was the desire to drink over my problems. Uh, the desire to hide my life, desire to, to stay disconnected. You know, I don't have that huge desire anymore. It creeps in, but I've learned a lot of things about myself and I'm very grateful for these little, these little moments of clarity. You know, uh, I don't think I could handle the clarity that I have now. The first year that I was sober, I, I just mentally, I couldn't comprehend the amount of willingness that, that I have in my life today or the amount of self-respect that I have for myself today. Um, but these are things that I learned over uh, several years of, of trying to become a little bit better today than I was yesterday, mm. you know? And, and I don't know about you, but we've had, we've had a show, maybe two of the Other Side of Hell podcast where we've mentioned perfectionism Mm -hmm. and being mm -hmm. perfect mm -hmm. and um i think that's a i think that's one of those things that holds a lot of people back in in moving forward in in self-development whether it be sobriety or just self-development and in general because i kind of think that, so, that sobriety is a a form of self-development absolutely you agree yeah you know um but that that not doing it perfectly thing has held a lot of people back including myself and and uh, I know that you struggle oh, with it. I'm you, the worst. You, I, I don't know if you're the worst, but you're the worst. I just you're, said you're, I was you're the worst. Out of the two of us at this table, for sure, but I don't and know. I about, am perfect. <laughs> I am perfect about being a perfectionist. <laughs> I don't know about, yeah, yeah, you are the worst. But that's okay, because what have you learned? Like, sh like let's, let's talk about that a little bit, you know, because we took some notes before the show, as we always do, and uh, not being perfect was one of the things that we learned we can not, have to be perfect all the time since we've been in sobriety it's perfectionism important. stopped me from doing so many things like i i just i i thought that if i couldn't do it perfectly i just shouldn't do it and it really it prevented me from um starting so many things because i just thought that i should just know how to do things yeah I, it's hard for me to know like where this idea came from right um, but I really, in my case, like, let's just say uh, I'm going to go shoot hoops with somebody. Right. And I go to the basketball court and clearly like you're better at it than I am. I want to know how come I'm not as good as you. Right. And I want to like, I, it makes me not want to do it because right. I'm not as good as you are. So <laughs> I'll just stop doing it. Um, and that's just one tiny example of sort of the way that my thinking used to work. And now like, I know that I don't have to do it perfectly. And one of the, th one of the things that I've learned is to trust the process yeah. and to really just be okay with like, Hey man, like I didn't, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to be sober either at first. Right. And I got better at it as I go, as I went. Right. Um, and just remembering that things aren't supposed to be smooth like right out of the gate, like things will develop over time. I'll get better over time. And that's what I've gained through working a program of recovery. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, so that's just one example of the many things that I've learned as a result of getting sober um, and working a program. What's one of the biggest things you think you you've gained? Uh, I think you know one of the one of the huge things for me is is uh, it's okay to change my mind and it's okay to 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 change my beliefs and and let that happen organically. You know, um, one of the things that held me back from getting sober for so long was this this creed that I had made when I was a child that I'm always going to smoke pot. I'm always going to smoke pot. I'm always going to be a party guy. You know, that's something. Is that, be, is, that, is that because that's something you wanted or just something when that I was, you. When I made it, yeah. Okay. Like w- when I was a kid, when I was a teenager and I was running the streets and I I had this this uh, image and I had this, this you know, I was running with my gang and, and certain uh, facade about myself. Uh you know, I just, I loved the energy of the streets and I loved selling drugs and, and doing all those things. And, uh, you know, I just, I decided maybe, maybe many of us decided we're always going to smoke pot. I'm always going to, I'm always going to smoke pot. That was a, that was a huge thing for me. Mm. Or I'm, you know, I'm never going to trust the cops. Never. Or. You know, I had these, I had these negative beliefs that when I would start to think like, I should, I should quit smoking weed. It's like fucking me up. And like, I should stop disrespecting the law. No, 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 fucker. You know, this thing in the back of my head would be like, then you're a fucking liar. Right. Because when you were 15, you swore that you would always smoke pop. Well, right. I mean, caution against using those words always and never, right? (laughs) Yeah. And and um being able to break through that you know one of the other things like i'm always going to be fat yeah always you know um these 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 beliefs that at the time seemed to 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 suit me or or serve me it's okay to change that and and you know whatever god you may have uh if it's not working it's okay to change that belief Mm. from from believing in God to not believing in God to not believing in God to believing in God. It's okay to change how you feel about your employment. It's okay to, to change how you feel about the neighborhood you're in or, or, you know, there's just, there, it's okay for me to change my mind, you know, to, to say, I like one thing today and then process through that and go, you know what? I don't like that. Yeah. Or even what you want in your future, right? Like yeah. that's something you can change. Like, yeah. Maybe the life that I thought that I wanted isn't what I really want. Yeah. Because, I mean, have you ever had the experience in your life where, or seen people or had that um, idea that you, it's not okay to change your mind? Like, you've made up your mind. You must stick to that. Was yeah. that anything for you ever? Um. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that after I got sober, right, I had this idea that I was going to um, be a producer, um, and a film producer, a film producer okay. and move, um, out of state to either New York or LA. And, and the idea with that was also that I didn't necessarily want a family. Right. Um, and then I met my wife and, and she absolutely wanted a family. And I was like, well, I don't, 
know that's like a thing. Like it's not really <laughs> what I want, but the, the relationship that I had with her just felt so organic. Uh, right. It just felt like it happened without even trying. And it just naturally sort of developed into this, into this, what it is now. And all of a sudden I decided that I did want a family and, and I had wanted one in the past, so it wasn't a completely foreign idea for me. Um, but I just sort of moved past that notion and moved into this, this one thing that I could control without having a partner. Right. Yeah. Um, so being able to just say like, well, I can control this. I'll go after this because I don't need anybody else to be involved. Um, and then when my wife came into the picture, started thinking about like, okay, well maybe I, I do want a family. Like, and maybe I don't need to move to LA and, and maybe I don't need to do that. And maybe there's a, there's a, an opportunity for me within the industry, you know, here locally. And, uh, and it's been, it's been kind of weird. I think the, the, uh, I mean, it's been great. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love my wife. I love my child. Um, it has absolutely awakened things in me that I did not know existed. Um, but I think the the problem is that if there is a problem, the thinking is that because I didn't do that, I must have given up on that. Okay. And yeah. I must have settled for this, right? You must have settled. I must have settled, right? Yeah. And that's not the case. Like, I think that if I would have continued to go after that and denied myself how I was actually thinking and said, you know what? Like, I know it seems like I want a family now, but I said I was going to go do this. So bye, you know, and, and just left that situation behind to enter into, um, a life that I thought I wanted. It's quite possible that I'd be miserable, you know, could be doing that stuff. So, um, so it's hard to say, like, I don't, feel at all like I gave up on something and settled for this like I feel like what it, what I wanted changed yeah. and and that was okay yeah, yeah and it still takes work and it still you know is um, is difficult um, but I can't imagine it going any other way now yeah I get that so for me that's one example of a big drastic change of my mind yeah for sure, man. And, and being able to like take responsibility for that. And, you know, that's one of the other things that, that we've learned. And, and as you're sharing and, and I'm looking at this list of things that we've learned in sobriety or in recovery or in life, I, I, I wonder what, what part of that it is, you know, is it, does it come with age that, that all of a sudden I've learned to uh, be okay with mistakes Or is it a result of sobriety? Because, uh, I, and the thing is, is, is I don't really know, like, like let's take mistakes, for example, you know, like changing our mind, making mistakes, um, uh, accepting not being perfect. Those things I've, I've dealt with and talked to people that are much older than I am that are just now getting sober. I'm in much older. I mean, 20, 30 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. And there's their late sixties, seventies, uh, that are just getting sober. And it doesn't seem like they've learned how to accept mistakes like we have. 
or they're still struggling with um, letting go of the past. Sure. Or um, having the the what ifs and if onlys going on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I ask myself, like, is it is it the sobriety that I've learned these things in? Or is it my age? Or, you know, where where do these learning things come from? And it's like uh, learning to make mistakes comes from, I think, willing to go out and try things. And that's something else that I've, I, I feel like I didn't really know how to do anything prior to sobriety. Mm-hmm. Like I was just kind of like going through motions sure. of things. Sure. Like, like I, I knew how to use people well enough to stay alive. Yeah. But I didn't know how to provide anything for myself mm-hmm. responsibly and on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I always knew that if I got into a bind bad enough, I could always use my mom for food or money. Right. I could always end up going to jail where I knew I would be taken care of. Ultimately, there was always this kind of a back door on, on, on self-sufficiency, but coming into sobriety, like all of a sudden now I'm like experimenting with like, I don't want to pay my bills mm. with the money I just earned from the job that I got. Well, what do I want to do with that money? And I go through, I go through and I start thinking about like, well, what would you rather spend your fucking money on? If you don't, if you don't want to spend it on your bills, what Mm -hmm. do you want to spend your money on? And after a little bit of time, I found that like, I kind of enjoy buying groceries for my fridge. Right. Yeah. I go in and, and fill up my refrigerator with the money that I earn. And I kind of enjoy, you know, seeing my lights turn on and, and, and that kind of stuff where before I knew like, like the reason that I didn't want to pay my bills is cause I used people to get those things for free. Right. And I used all of my money to get the drugs and alcohol to change the way that I felt about myself and the world around me. And so being in sobriety as well as becoming more mature in age, getting older, kind of, kind of built this, this like, um, this understanding of, of what it is I'm trying to do with fulfilling my life and how to do that on a more consistent basis, I guess. Like, okay, um, I don't, you know, it gets to a point where I ask myself, well, what do you want to do with your money if you don't want to pay your light bill? Well, uh, well, do you want to go fucking eat it? Right. Do you want to go out to eat and spend your light bill money on food? Do you want to... Do you want to relapse? Do you want to take your light bill money and go fucking relapse? Do you want to take your light bill money and go buy a pair of shoes? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want to do with it? And that's that's a learning process of, like, like all this stuff kind of put together, and and all of a sudden we learn that, wow, I kind of I kind of like being able to take care of myself and my family, my child, mm-hmm. my children, you know, kind of stuff. So it's kind of neat to think about, you know. I, I always like thinking about what came first or whatever, if you will. Like you're a why guy. Yeah. yeah. Like how the how the fuck does this work? Well, what 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 it made me realize is, you know, I don't, I don't know if it if it was well. I mean, for me, it was sobriety, but I don't know if it happens with age or getting sober or recovery or whatever the case is. Like I I know that something had to happen to change the way that I thought 
to change the way that I viewed the world and to change my mindset to where I wasn't a victim and I was empowered to, to, uh, to believe that I could get sober. Um, and for me that came with sobriety, um, and, and recovery and a program, a treatment program. But I think that because as we talk about this stuff, like everybody sort of deals with this stuff. This is, this isn't exclusive only to people um, that have suffered with drugs and alcohol. I think that everybody in their life can find themselves, um, you know, miserable at their job or, or really uh, stuck in this life that they never asked for, or, um, you know, believing in something that they don't know why they believe in it. Um, and so these things are, are also things that, um, can apply to people in those situations as well. Like for example, um, something that we see in this area, or at least I see is a lot of people who have grown up in a specific religion who, eventually like they do everything that that religion has told them to do in order to find happiness. And then they get to a certain point in their lives and realize they're not happy. Yeah. And then they start questioning things and then they seek information and then they educate themselves and then they find out for themselves what, what is going to make them happy. Right. And then they end up completely doing a 180 on their life. Right. Um, because they remained open and they decided that they could change their mind about what they wanted. Yeah. Huge. Um, and so I just think it's important to make that distinction that, you know, a lot of people deal with this stuff and that everybody has something to gain from seeking information and continuing to work on themselves. And I think that that was something else too, that I, I realized after going through a treatment program is I remember being in treatment and working on some of the book work that they had us working on and thinking everybody would benefit from doing this. Like, <laughs> right. I, I, you know, like I, I mean, yeah, I'm going through it and I have a drug and alcohol problem, but this is stuff that would benefit anybody. Yeah. Um, and really wanting to like spread that to everybody yeah. here. Let me, let me help you. You do a second step and you do a second <laughs> step. You need my help. I can see how right. sick you are. I mean, yeah. really, but, <clears throat> One of the one of the biggest things for me, too, is when we talk about taking responsibility was taking responsibility for my part in things, um, because because, like I said, I was just such in like this, this sort of victim mentality where the world didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. Right? Yeah. Like I was sort of just looking at things like I had all these goals and ambitions and dreams when I was young. And they just didn't pan out and fuck the world for doing that to me. Yeah. And then being able to really look at that and say, okay, well, what's my part in that? And being honest with myself and saying, well, I didn't do anything to chase after that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I was just waiting by the mailbox. Yeah, I mean, literally, like I just thought something was going to happen, yeah. you know? Um, and again, like, I don't necessarily know where this thinking came from. Like, I just know that this is for whatever reason, this is the way that I thought. And so what I realized in sobriety, um, 
is that I'm not special. Like if I want those things, I'm going to have to do the things that everybody else has to do in order to get those things. Yeah. Like those things are not going to be handed to me. Um, and, and recovery and sobriety was one of those things. Like I just thought sobriety would happen. <laughs> you know, if I had all the information, I thought that it would happen and have a sufficient will to just stop. If, if I have the information, why would I continue to do, yeah. why would I continue to do it? Um, and, uh, and that proved not to be the case, obviously. And, um, and so again, it was one of those situations where I was able to say, okay, like, I guess I just have to do the work. Yeah. And I've been able to apply that to a lot of things in my life. You know, like, I guess I just have to do the work. Like if I'm at work and I want the promotion, I guess I have to do the work to get that. Yep. Like if I, if I want a new house and I, I want a new living space or I want, you know, a guitar or some sort of material possession, like, I guess I'm going to have to figure out a way to save the money or whatever it is. Like I've got to figure out how to do, I can't just want things and expect them to happen. Right. And I know it might sound silly, but that's what my thinking was. Yeah. You know, like no, I it, get really, it. it really was. Um, so that for me was a big one. Yeah. Where, where's the golden bar? They're supposed to, you know, where's, where's the pot of gold? I exist. So therefore I should get, therefore things. I deserve. Right. Yeah. And, and as you're, as you were sharing that, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, like a lot of this stuff, the work, when you, when you talk about work, some of these things are hard, you know, being honest which is something we learned how to oh, do yeah. in, in, in sobriety. And you mentioned that, you know, being honest is hard because there's, there's an emotional reaction and almost automatic assumption that I will be rejected or judged based on what's about to come out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a, there's a big learning point with, with all of that, that, that I can be honest about my mistakes and the way that I've hurt other people and I will still not get rejected. Therefore I do not need other people's approval based on a lie. Right. And, and I learned all that in sobriety. Like mm -hmm. it's a, it's a huge place to be like, like I know that as a, as a contractor and as a business owner, I don't have to know everything and how to do all of it. Um, where in the past I thought, I can't own a business. I can't be a business owner. I can't have employees. I don't know how to do that. It's hard. It's scary. I don't have the information. I don't, I don't have the skill. I don't have the self-trust to rely on just me for my income and in sobriety through, through, you know, like talking about fucked up behaviors with a sponsor. Um, it taught me that, uh, I'm able to do things that are uncomfortable because I'll be honest, man, doing a fifth step, doing a four step was fucking uncomfortable. Like, like walking through, through a four step, listing my resentments and my fears. And then of course my sex and harm inventory, uh, putting down on paper, the character defects that were involved with a lot of my sexual, uh, misbehavior and, and thoughts was embarrassing. And I was, completely afraid that I would be rejected 
which is something that I feared my entire life. Uh, and now because I was able to do that and it was well received from another person, uh, I know that most people are going to meet me on the broad highway with open arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very few people will reject me because of my mistakes. Uh, I've, I've tested the waters, right? And I've learned that I can be 100% completely honest about what I consider my mistakes and I will live through it. And not only will I live through it, I will grow because of it. Mm-hmm. And I learned all that over here. I learned all that on, on this side of the table in sobriety. And I learned that I can be uncomfortable and I can be embarrassed and I don't have to drink over it, which is something that I never knew before because I thought that those deep, intense emotions were going to kill me. Yeah. Somehow I was going to die Yeah. Yeah. or want to die if, yeah. if I felt those deep, intense emotions. Um, so, yeah, I mean... And I, I don't know. Like, well, there's a lot. That, yeah. What I'm thinking is that, like, I just, I remember how empowering it was to, to finally get sober and the momentum that it gave me to, um, to take action towards other things, because I never thought that I would be, I, I never thought that I would be an alcoholic or an addict. I don't know who necessarily thinks that that's something that they're going to do, but I never thought that I would be an addict and alcoholic. And then when I was just deep, deep in it, I never thought that I would get out. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I finally kind of surrendered, completely surrendered and, and approached the whole situation with enough humility to accept that it was true for me that I was an alcoholic and an addict and that my thinking was broken and that it was a good idea if I take suggestions from other people who had been there before me. When I finally accepted that and started to move towards the solution and, and was able to understand that I don't always get to do everything that I want to do and that sometimes I'm going to have to do a lot of things that I don't want to do and And what I get from doing those things that I don't want to do is so much more valuable than just always wanting to do or doing what I want to do. Um, that I really started to like pick up some momentum and started, um, saying, okay, well, what else can I do? Right? Like what else have I been wrong about? Like what else, what else have I dismissed as impossible that I might actually be able to do? Um, and I remember like going to the gym and I had like 50 pounds I wanted to lose, like that I had put on, um, towards the end of my drinking career. And, uh, and the gym had become a place for me where I was just very, very aware of all my issues. And in fact, I had started like drinking before I went to the gym, just so I started to feel comfortable in that environment. Um, because I was just so self-conscious, yeah. uh, but I would go to the gym in sobriety and just think to myself as I'm, you know, sweaty after 20 minutes on the elliptical and kind of having those old ideas met with new ideas where it would be like, I would have this thinking of like, 
oh, I'm sure they're over there like looking at me right. and, and saying, oh man, like he's got a lot of work to do. But I, I would meet that with this new idea of, well, I bet that they have never had to get over a serious drug problem. And I have. So if I can do that, I can do this. Yeah. And the, if I can do that and I can do this mentality followed me into so many different things that I then took on, um, you know, once I left a treatment center and, and, um, and just moved through my life from that point forward. The reality is, is that those people probably didn't give a fuck about me. <laughs> and like, I know that or, or now. The, or, or, or in all honesty, like you, you yourself were uh, quietly encouraging you. Right. Which is more likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is far more likely Very than, true. Than, yeah. the, than the other. They could have been like, oh, go, dude. Yeah, you're, good for you. Yeah, good for you. Glad you're here. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, so... I guess what my point is, is that the empowerment that I got from getting sober followed me into so many other aspects of my life that I became willing to apply all those same principles to every aspect of my life. Okay. Am I teachable in this situation? Am I still right. willing to learn? Am I willing to do it when I don't want to do it? Am I willing to push past the voice of resistance? Um, and am I willing to be humble enough to ask questions um, of people who have been there before me? Yeah. Um, and all those were things that I could take into my career, my relationship, um, and and just my relationships not only with my wife, but my relationships with individuals in general. Um, and even like relationships with friends who I had known previously. Um, and I'm not going to say that I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm like a perfect dude or that I know everything. I just know that everything that I've gained from getting sober and working a program of recovery has been absolutely valued to valuable to, um, who I am today as a person and who I am today as a person is just so, so much better um, than, than the way I used to live my life. Like, I like to think that I'm dependable now. Um, you know, I am somebody that can be, um, looked up to, um, and knowledgeable, knowledgeable, right. And, um, people can come to me when they have questions. I, I listen a lot more. I'm more empathetic. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of things that, that I can, uh, can really say that are honest, you know, facts about myself that I don't know that I could have said before, uh, recovery. Damn. Good share. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, man. It kind of just brings it all around to, you know, as we go through this stuff, more is revealed. And that's something that I know is coming. Right. There's there's always going to be a little bit more revealed of what I'm capable of, what I need to work on, uh, where I'm slacking, where mm. I'm thriving. Um, when we put ourselves out there and we ask for clarity like we do in recovery, because I think that's whether you whether you take an actual third step where you turn your will in your life over to the care of a God or a process or 
just asking for clarity and, you know, making your life better. And that starts to happen as it has for a lot of us. Um, the universe or God or the inner self, wherever that answer comes from, takes that, um, that it takes it very seriously and says, okay, if you want to really know yourself, I will reveal more. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. always seems like it, as far as I can tell, right when I need it, not when I want it, right? Not when it's convenient, Mm -hmm. not when I'm ready for it, when I need it. And I learned that through all this stuff, I can do these things, um, willingly because I know the payoff of the other side and, you know, having a brotherhood and a fellowship and a group of people that suffer like I do that have answers for the things that I go through has been just instrumental in my growth. And I'm so grateful for that, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's something that, Mm -hmm. that, uh, that Melissa touches on quite a bit in her story is, is, you know, having these second chances and third chances and having people in her life where, uh, help her that have helped her grow and, you know, stay in touch with. And so, uh, as, as she was sharing her story with me, I couldn't help but, but realize as for her, she has learned a lot about herself, about her world, about her capabilities, about what she has to offer. Um, and, and did all those things once she decided to finally start giving sobriety a chance. Yeah. You know, and, and I really enjoyed it. I, this topic, I feel like this shoot went really fast. So must've been a good topic. So yeah. What do you say, Cameron? Should we? Yeah, let's share? do it. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Without further ado, here is Melissa's war story. This week's war story is brought to you by Brainwash Coffee. Brainwash Coffee is a damn good coffee with a damn good cause. 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community, which makes it a perfect partner for us here at the Other Side of Hell podcast. With delicious blends like Coffee Commitment, Found a New Freedom, we drink a hell of a lot of it here, and it gives us the energy we need to deliver a quality show. Right now, you can get $5 off your coffee purchase at brainwashedcoffeeco.com using promo code OTHERSIDE. Clean your bean. Brainwashed coffee. Now, without further ado, here is this week's war story. Hi, my name is Melissa, and I am a recovered addict, and I definitely have had my fair share of drinking and all the alcoholism as well as, you know, growing up in my teenage years as well. But my main thing that I struggled with the most was uh, hard drugs. And so I'll just uh, start off by telling you like exactly my childhood growing up um, was not good at all. Um, most of us that uh, um, I've, you know, seen or hear struggle with addiction have had not have a, a nice growing up in their childhood and, you know, no child deserves to ha- suffer what I had to go through. And so it, you know, it's hard, you know, to have to realize that I actually went through that, but I have healed a lot of my demons from my past. And so that's really good to be able to open up and share that, you know, as a kid growing up, my parents were not good people at all. Um, You know, I understand now that my mom did the best she could. Um, As far as her husband, I think that he knew 
all along what the hell he was doing and um, why he fucking wanted to hurt people. Um, but um, so I was molested at a very young age. It started at five and I was told, you know, if I told anybody, my mom would get killed, I would get killed and just, you know, people would get hurt. So I was extremely scared to say anything. So I had to hide that, but I didn't feel like I hit it well enough in, you know, like my physical features, my, you know, as a little girl, you know, people could see something was going on just because of how I acted. And at a young age, I could disassociate my, myself from my body just because of the bad stuff that was happening to me. Um, that's how I kind of dealt with um, the bad things happening to me is just like disassociate. And um, so I went through all of that. And then at age probably 12, it started, I smoked weed. Um, and then my parents, well, I, I, I don't like to say parents because my mom and her monster husband moved us to Casper, Wyoming. And, um, you know, I was still pretty young at that time. And it just, that's where it all began for me. Like literally that small Casper town was, um, at the time was the highest um, crank capital because back then it was crank. So that's, I started on that, a bathtub crank, peanut butter crank, lemon drop crank, all that. Um, and at that time it was just sniffing and smoking and um, drinking a lot and um, whatever I could get my hands on acid. And um, we did the party thing down there and I was a troubled teen um, in and out of the juvenile hall down there. And um, we had a standoff with the Casper, Natrona County Casper, um, the police department for, oh, how long was it? It, it? Like 10 plus hours. And, you know, people were, that they had to throw tear bombs in that house to get, you know, like breaking windows and drag us all out of there. Underage, you know, and I'm a part of this. And um, I, I didn't go to jail at that time, thank God, but I did go back to juvenile hall and I, you know, just in and out of there. Um, and then from there, um, at a young age, I experienced uh, going into um, like a, a mental psych ward because um, just super angry. And this is by the time I'm um, in my uh, like 15 um, years old. And so I'm, I'm experiencing that side of the world and like, yeah, I feel like I'm crazy, you know, at that time, but not like that going in there. I'm like, wow, those, you know, like it was, it was scary. And it was, it was an eye opener, but it, I felt like it prepared me for like, you're going to see this again. <laughs> so, cause I did in my, you know, my adulthood after getting sober, um, you know, and I don't want to sit in the, how, like, you know, the, the nasty stuff too long, but um, you know, I, I did my fair share of going in and out of jails um, definitely on my way to prison, but, um, thank God, you know, I, I found some help to get me to where I needed on the right path. And, um, you know, just a little bit about, you know, so I, I have my children at, well, I get pregnant at a very young age at 15 and then have my, uh, or at 16, excuse me, and then, um, have my baby at the age 16 turned 17 right after. And that was my first son and his name's David. And, um, you know, and so I, I, I did grow up a lot from that and I did stop doing drugs at, you know, at that time during the pregnancy, but right after the pregnancy, I was starting to drink again and I was super against the, like, um, you know, the hard drugs because I had already experienced that. And I was like, no, 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 no. Um, and, but then that's when the alcohol 
rage started, right? And then I'm, I'm having my kids, I get married and I end up having my twins. And this whole time, you know, like I stopped drinking because I get pregnant, but then right after, you know, breastfeed for a little bit and then boom, it was right back into drinking because I was still so against, I'm never doing, you know, hard drug again, like F tweakers. <laughs> and that was for like 10 years. And then, you know, I don't, I, I get a divorce. Um, you know, my marriage ain't good, you know, and I'm drinking and just things aren't good in my life. I'm depressed, um, crazy. Um, I know I wasn't the best mom. Um, I took care of my kids. I loved them and I, and I took care of them the best I did, but they've seen our, me and their dad fighting constantly and just me drinking and, you know, like having friends over and just not being a good role model at all. Um, so I get, the, I get a divorce and, you know, things go completely south, south um, from there. And I just start the drinking, like, even got more out of control and I just remember I was just so hurt and in just this dark place of just how my life had been going and I literally took my children and took them to their dad and said here you do it you be the full-time dad I'm being every other weekend mommy and I literally left and I it <laughs> I ended up relapsing onto meth and then I did it like smoking and like snorting and taking and like taking pills and um, doing all of it that way. And that, about for a year, and then I got introduced to shooting up, and it was all over for there from there. And I went homeless, um, completely homeless. I went MIA. I didn't talk to my children. I didn't talk to any of my family members. I was just running and gunning the streets and causing a ruckus, like. I'm talking about high-speed chases to robbing, you know, like houses and just, you know, things that I thought I would never, ever be a part of, but I did it and it was crazy. And, you know, I went through some really hard stuff as a woman homeless on a street on, you know, dope and it's, it's not pretty. And it was, you know, I got into, you know, a few relationships to where like, they, I was beaten so bad to where, like, I've had my jaw broke, um, my, my toe broke, my ribs broke, broken nose, um, almost strangled to death, and it just got crazier and crazier and crazier, and it didn't ever get better, you know what I mean, and that first time that I ever, you know, shot up, I was searching for that, that first high, and I never found it again. And, you know, you, you never will find it again, even if you relapse, because I've had a couple of relapses, you know, um, that led me straight right back into that insanity, that psychosis, you know, seeing shit because I got so bad to where it really messed with me mentally. A lot of evil stuff around me, a lot of evil people. Um, it's just, it's all just bad out there. And I didn't, and at that point with just, you know, just being out there, like, there was that little light I could feel left in me. You know what I mean? Like I knew I have children out there. I know that this is not my life and, but I just want to die so bad. And I don't know how to get clean or sober because growing up, I wasn't taught or I wasn't loved or cared for like a child should be. And so I hid that emotion. I hid that pain. I hid that fear, all of it. So when, you know, when I finally got sober in 2013, 
um, it, I was super close to like killing myself because I, I just had it. I remember I'm sitting at the Ogden River and it's cold. It is literally cold. And I went out, we were like, I can't remember what that, uh, there's a hotel right behind the river. I can't remember what it's called now. It's poured down now. But um, I just remember I walked out there and there's a river and, I'm, and it's freezing cold outside. I have no shoes on. I have no coat on. <clears throat> and I, and I just, my pants and a shirt and I go out there and I'm literally sitting by this river and it's iced over and it's super cold. And I, and I just, I'm like, I'm just going to lay, I'm just going to stay here. And I, and you know, I'm just going to freeze to death. Somebody will find my body and it'll be all done. And that didn't happen. You know, I ended up in jail and uh, I ended up having a chance to go to the woman's retreat house. And I got straight from the woman, straight from jail. I went to the woman's retreat house. And I remember being in jail for the umpteenth time. Every other time I went into jail, it was, I'm going to get out. I'm getting high again. Where am I going to find my next shot? Where's my next cigarette? Where's my next this? But the last time, um, even my mug shot picture was, it was different. There was something in my face that was like, from all the other ones that was like, there's something more for you after this last time. And um, I really, I, I believe it because that's what happened. I went to the woman's retreat house and, you know, I tried, I tried my best and um, it was crazy because I ended, you know, the first time I went there, I didn't make it the first 30 days. I actually got kicked out. Um, yeah. I had the three write-ups and uh, was, you know, had that ego going and that thug, I'm a, you know, hard ass from the streets <laughs> and I didn't want to listen to any of anybody or you know suggestions but I did get kicked out but I got a chance I didn't relapse I didn't go back I, I didn't get kicked out and relapse um you know I had a chance to get back in there and then I I did and I was sober coming up on four years I was married at the time and um you know, I, I did really good for a while. The marriage wasn't good. You know, it really wasn't. I didn't know how to have a marriage, you know, because I just had gotten, when I got clean in 2013, the guy that I married actually took me off the street. Um, and so he was a Mongol at the time and he took me off the streets and, you know, he showed me a way of recovery because he had done recovery. Um, at the time, he obviously wasn't because he found me on the streets. So but, you know, he, he introduced me into recovery and the church and, you know, I, I did lots and I, and I did really good. And, um, but just that the marriage and not being healthy mentally, it, you know, I ended up relapsing and it didn't last long. Thank God I was, you know, running and gunning for about a week and I was, I was visually seeing. So like when I, I'll back up for a second, um, like when I got high, like every time I'd shoot up or get super high and I was up for days, like I literally could, um, I would like, it was a psychosis to where I would see things like coming out of like, I'm, you know, the green mile where that guy is literally sucking out that cancer. Um, and then the, he blows out that black and all that black particles. Like I could see that coming out of my body, like, and I'm moving on the ground. So like, I don't know, it's crazy, but that's what happened to me. And, um, you know, till this day, I believe that shit was demons. Um, the darkness surrounded me and engulfed me and it just it was bad um when I relapsed I I literally it went right back to that but 10 times worse it seemed like because I had been sober for almost four years you know and coming off of that psychosis and trying to figure out my you know like what's going on and but it went back to that real quick and even the second time I relapsed it went back to that 
and so but in july on the 25th i will have six years and how it's now like you know i i live in clearfield in a beautiful home you know and has in a nice neighborhood um when i first got sober i lived right in the middle of ogden off of ogden avenue and like uh 28 29th street yeah and try and i stayed sober there too you know but i also ended up relapsing there too um just living right in the middle of it all with all that the cops csi um people getting shot like we finally moved out of there when he my fiance um he was getting his son back in his life and we were having finally starting to get overtime uh the overnights with him and a girl a lady actually got shot um a drive-by shooting drug deal gone bad right and an innocent lady sleeping on her couch and so we're like we're like yeah we got to get out of here so we've been in this house in Clearfield for five years now you know I own my own not own but like I finance my own car and I almost have it paid off I have you know I've been through um, multiple jobs but um, I've stick with them and um, you know I've been a real I've learned throughout uh, my years of being sober how to be um, how to have good worth ethic because I didn't have good work ethic before <laughs> especially like when I was using and drinking and stuff and tried to go to work yeah I was I wasn't a very good worker so um and I've been blessed multiple times like my children you know I it's not all the way 100% with them but you know I I've I've been a part of their life you know I've, I've had a chance to help my older son um because he's he started going down that path you know and um you know he he is actually still in that path but I've been able to try to help him and guide him and be there for him and share my stories with him. And he knows, he definitely knows. Um, and just blessed with my job. You know, I just, you know, I just a little backstory is I was just talking about getting back into like sharing my story and being able to sponsor women because going through the women's retreat house, I've that's another gift, a beautiful gift that I've been given as I've been a part of that being a living manager two times there. Um, I've sponsored many women out of there. I went through there the one time and then I went back and actually did the full 90 days. And so I got the full benefit of doing that and it really helped me. And then coming back and being able to serve for them. And then um, that's really helped me a lot, you know, being able to learn that and to teach that. And so, but I was, um, sharing uh with i did a goddess circle recently and i was sharing with the ladies there that i wanted to get back and be a part of that and share my story and um be able to sponsor women um you know through the pandemic and all that it's you know been hard to do like the one-on-one -on -one walk woman through the 12 steps and stuff but um and then after i did that then uh i was asked to speak on this podcast and so i thought that was really cool because i was just talking about it and then friday i found out that i get a four dollar raise and so that's just amazing because this company has only been just a little over a year and i've had you know that feeling in my heart and in my gut you know what stick with this company because i love the people i work with um at times it can be hard because it's in a warehouse and i work with all guys <laughs> and so it can be like frustrating at times too but you know, I stuck it out and I'm just like, I wouldn't been able to do that before. I would quit right away with anything. Um, if like anything I'd ever start, I'd never finish or I'd mess it up because the alcohol or the drugs or whatever that I was um, 
you know, stuck on at that time. And so recovery has taught me a lot. It's taught me how to balance and it's taught me how to like, you know, even if they're, you know, like for me in the beginning, I needed help. I needed someone to help me, to show me the way, to show me structure, to show me that there are steps that I can do that, that actually work and change my life to help me find a higher power and help me find, um, who, who I truly am and without like the steps and having a sponsor and having sisterhood and having like-minded people around me, there's no way I would have found it. Cause I didn't, I just, all I knew was drugs, alcohol, abuse, um, and just living the hard way. And, you know, so I'm really grateful that God led me to the women's retreat house and, you know, showed me that there is a, definitely a way to stay sober. You know, like I always say, even though I have relapsed, I always say that relapse does not have to be a part of your recovery. It definitely does not have to. Um, and, you know, so just, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to share your story and to share with other people, to see the light come on in newcomers' eyes. And I just, I strongly believe that um, I didn't go through all of what I went through even, even when I was a little girl, I just feel like I didn't go through any of that, you know, for no reason. Like I want to flip it into something positive and help other women and other people that has been struggling through it or is going through it to know that there is a way out of it and that you can um, heal and you can let all that go because that was one of the hardest things for me was to heal my abusers. Um, and to forgive them like that was super hard and sometimes I do take that back but I'm like yeah I don't want them to have power over me no I ain't taking that shit back that ain't my pain to hold on to anymore and, and I and I beat it and I went through it and I'm here now I'm here to you know help somebody else to share my story and be like look it's okay you know it's okay if if you struggle with drugs or alcohol or whatever it is don't don't be shamed don't hide it you know like you can get through it with help you know when us you know that been through it and been through recovery or you know people not everybody needs um meetings not everybody needs a 12 step not you know like people have their own different ways that work for them and i love that because you know it has to be different because not everybody is going to you know like take the same the same road and I really, you know, I'm just grateful to be alive today and to share. I have grandchildren, you know, I just went to the zoo today and spent with my grandchildren and my family and, you know, just living life and still learning and still healing. Um, I do. I struggle. I still struggle uh, mentally sometimes and that's okay. And you know what? That's another thing. If you struggle mentally through, through your recovery, you need to, you need to reach out and get help for that as well. And, you know, I just want to say um, thank you for letting me share my story. And I hope that I, you know, touch somebody's heart and help somebody with my message. And, you know, I just want to continue to um, fight that good fight and to share my story and help others. So thank you and have a good night. Yeah, it's so important to remember to help others. You definitely, definitely helped us. And definitely, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that. So thank you for sharing that story. What yeah. Thanks, Melissa. It's so interesting when uh, when I see people around and then I get to finally hear their story. Yeah. 
It's just like, oh, wow. There's, there's always so much more to the people than, yeah, there's just always so much the more depth and like the, the, the miracle that we're all here. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's fucking overwhelming sometimes, you know? So thank you. We love the women's retreat house. We miss it over there where it was. For those of you who uh, just listened and don't know, the women's retreat house is a uh, nonprofit funded women's retreat house. It's where you can go, like she said, straight from, from jail to the retreat house. It's a whole group of women sponsored by women, ran by women for women to yep. get sober uh, most of the, you know, the women that go in there, a lot of them are mothers that have lost their, their kids to, you know, the state due to their addiction. They get their kids back, they get their lives back. They, it's just, it's a really cool place for, for women in our area to go and get sober. It's kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like Valley camp. We've talked about Valley camp. Valley camp is for men, kind of the same thing, but, um, very grateful for that program in that place for the women in this area because a lot of them wouldn't have anywhere to go without it so mm-hmm. and we'll list some contact information in the in the show notes as well yeah um i really you know i i don't know how often we hear it but it's definitely a thing where we we hear of uh, people with abuse yeah um growing up who you know eventually turn to drugs and alcohol to to deal with that and and uh and melissa was no different um you know, to hear, to hear her journey with that and even getting to a place with that where she, you know, didn't, didn't hold on or harbor anger or hate towards that individual just, I think is a, a true testament yeah. to the growth that she has, uh, has taken on, um, as a result of, of recovery. And I really appreciate her kind of talking specifically about all that she has gained because our stories are very similar in the things that had happened to us and the things that, uh, that we did while under the influence or while living in the disease or under the obsession. Um, but when we talk about the things that we have learned and and just what we have gained as a result of, of getting sober, um, it's, it's good to let those who can identify with those, bad parts of our story know that there is hope yeah there's two sides to this coin that's right it's what it used to be like and what it's like now yeah for sure and so so grateful for what it's like now (coughs) excuse me not just for for melissa or myself but for so many people that have have been fortunate enough to find the the message of recovery and and be able to get into some form of, of recovery, some form of treatment, some type of sobriety and, and stop harming ourselves by trying to heal ourselves mm. through negative fucking actions like that. You know, uh, healing is, is so dope. And, and I'm so grateful to be part of such a gr- huge community of people that are healing and putting that healing energy out to, you know, sometimes I'm the suffering addict and, you guys are there for me, you know, just because we're sober doesn't always necessarily mean we're not the one that is suffering mm-hmm. in the room. So, you know, we just continue to do this stuff, continue to look at what we've learned and, and identify with one another and, and support one another and cheer on one another because, uh, we fight, a, 
a, a disease that is generally self-imposed uh, punishment, right? Like like we do this to ourselves through our thinking, and we're able to learn and tools and, and coping skills that help us stay away from destroying our lives and the lives of the people around us, trying to make ourselves feel better. It's kind of kind of neat. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Melissa's story was no different. It's uh, thank you so much. Melissa, yeah, for, for sure. Congratulations on your raise. And yeah. Yeah. And I, and I appreciated that too. You know, she talked about how she has this new work ethic now and, and that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, congratulations. You earned it, you know, um, for sure. As you, as you know. Yeah, Good so show. thank you very much. Thank you for everyone that's tuned in. Thank you, Cameron, for we have, being we here. We have a good, solid fan base. We love you guys. We're coming back to this weekly schedule soon enough. But for now, we're working on a few things. And uh, we appreciate your patience. Yeah. Love you. Love you. And with that, we will see you on the other side. You are worth the the Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.